Welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the podcast of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, tabletop gaming, and good old-fashioned nerd shit. I'm Rob Mackey, joined as always by Mike Daniel. Mike, how's it going, bud? I'm doing great, Rob. What are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about combat. The real shit. Swords and boards and fireballs and lightning bolts and arrows and other things. (laughs) For sure, one of the three pillars of tabletop role-playing games, right? It's combat, exploration, and interaction. Um, So, yeah, focusing in on the combat today. Uh, uh, What's your advice for uh, starting up uh, combat, or where do we we begin, Rob? There's a lot to talk about here. So, here's my take on combat, just generally. So, combat in in D&D... Regardless of edition, combat is one of the most left-brained kind of um, parts of the entire game. It's all about like staying organized, st- keeping things logically arranged in your head, kind of understanding the rules, um, and understanding how to keep things moving. So we're gonna talk a bit more about like kind of the like finer points of combat and how to make it like more fun and interesting both for yourself and for your players but i want to i really want to start by talking about some of these fundamentals what i think is most important to set yourself up for success i guess sounds good to me all right so um the first thing uh as with anything regarding gming honestly it's all about organization you got to stay organized. So in combat, this uh, takes a lot of forms. Um, but the most important thing is um, not the single most important, but certainly the first thing is to have some way to keep track of initiative. You kind of need to do it. Um, otherwise, Absolutely. you're going like take it from me so when i was dming pathfinder about a decade ago like i did not realize this and i kind of just um like i'd write it down in my like notebook and then just kind of forget about it and then turns would happen whenever basically Mm -hmm, (laughs) and for sure like and the anarchic style works for some people but that's a little too much i think so um when i started to dm more recently um i've made it a much better point of tracking initiative so this um there there are a lot of components to this there's actually a lot of stuff you have to do because not only do you have to get everybody's initiative accurately and get it like written down somewhere you also have to you also have to track it in a way that makes sense for you um so I'm going to start out first. Um, the fundamental pillar of how I track initiative is something I stole from Mike 100%. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that, and uh, that's uh, what Mike did. And when did you start doing this? Was that when we switched to 5e? Uh, yes, it was with 5th edition because we used the popcorn initiative in 3.5, which I'll talk about in just a second. But uh, yeah, what my tracking system started in 5th edition. Cool. 
That's right. Anyways. Uh, yeah, so what, what I did was I, uh, at the beginning of every campaign or one shot or whatever that we're running, I would have everyone write down certain information on uh, a note card that I could fold over my DM screen and put in order and move around as initiative change. And I had some um, like key stats that were put up there, like your spell DC, your passive perception, uh, what else, armor class, I think. Um, those were kind of my go-to things of if I needed to see what, you know, someone's stat was, I could just look at the edge of my dungeon master screen and find their card and see, you know, what information I needed from that. Um, and then I had the index cards able to obviously like move around as initiative would change in between combat or in between, um, you know, sessions and stuff like that. I could put them out in sort of whatever order. Word. Yeah, that's good. And just kind of briefly, I want to talk about the uh, what you actually put on the back of the note card. Yeah. Because this is kind of like, I'll tell you what I put on, but with the caveat that like, um, the goal is that you have all the information you don't want to be asking your players for constantly. Exactly. So yeah, so I have, um, the way I do it is I always have um, character name armor class uh dexterity score not the modifier the score because that's how i break um initiative ties it's uh, first mm-hmm. i go to the deck score and then i'll do a roll off if we need to and then then the spell save dc did i say passive perception no you I did not forget yeah yeah usually i'll put the passive perception actually actually after the deck score because not everybody has a spell save dc and i kind of like in my like lizard brain, I like being able to like look at these cards without having to like um, worry about what order everything is in as well. For so sure. that's actually that's actually kind of another like smaller point I'd want to make too. It's like it doesn't matter what you're putting on these cards, um, um, and it doesn't really matter what order you're putting the things that you're putting on those cards. But you do want to make sure that whatever that order is. Like, it's the same for everybody, basically. Right. Yeah, because you want to be able to you want to be able to just glance at it and, like, just know kind of what you're looking at without having to think about it too much. And then I also put, um, well, especially because a lot of times, especially when I'm DMing with people I don't know, and especially when I'm starting out with the game, I also ask for the actual players' names. And that kind of goes off. That kind of goes off into the corner. Well, I'm For trying sure. to like um, get uh, used to who everybody is and who their character is. Although, yeah, event- if uh, for for me, if I'm also playing with new players, then I'll usually ask like I'll do character name, player name, and their class and level. Um, especially, I, I dungeon master for the Adventures League sometimes, or I, I used to anyway. Um, so just having that information at a glance is, is super helpful, especially when there are new players every week and stuff like that. So, Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, for sure. Especially, yeah. Cause sometimes there's player movement and sometimes even if it's not, even if it's not adventures league, um, like, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people like to have groups that are either larger or like. They're larger, but not everybody shows up every game, and that's part right. of the thing. So, yeah. Although eventually, I kind of phase out when I like the player names stuff, because like, 
a lot of time I tend to run my table kind of like language class in high school because you know how you'd have to like say you took Spanish and you'd have to pick like your Spanish name and then your teacher would call you by your Spanish name basically mm, constantly mm -hmm. right yeah yeah for sure so I usually yeah I usually refer to people by their character names unless I want to like for some reason be very clear that like no this is this is out of game for 100 percent right so yeah, anyway. I always try to do the same thing as well. Uh, although I think I definitely slip some when I'm addressing certain people. Um, not certain people, but addressing people from time to time. I'll call them by their name, and then I'll end up correcting myself to call them their character name. Uh, because it accomplishes a lot of things, actually, of kind of getting people in into character, referring to them by their character names, um, which is a small minutiae of DMing, but... Uh, anyway, back to combat. Um, so we have our initiative tracker here. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about uh, per initiative yeah. there, Rob? Cool. Well, yeah, because I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about collecting initiative as well. Mm -hmm. So I I think I've made mention of this in this space before, but I always keep uh I keep a notebook, like an actual physical notebook that I kind of shorthand um like my session notes basically it's like mm -hmm. here's kind of what the players did really only the stuff that i'm going to need to remember for later like if they like come across a specific piece of information or like otherwise advance the plot in some specific way um i've tried to be a bit better about that too because the last the last game i was in i i was running I had an embarrassing thing. It's like, and that's because the blah, blah, blah is a dragon or whatever. Like it was a, I was building up to this big pot, big plot reveal and I revealed it. And then everybody's like, yeah, dude, we know. <laughs> you told us that already. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. You, we already know this was like two months ago. I was like, shit. Anyway. So, um, what I do is I, um, I uh, start the first line. This is kind of my whole, um, so to journal in combat, it starts, well, first it starts off with any, like, sort of, like, sneaking up, like, uh, stealthing that happens, which we'll set aside for the moment. But it starts with initiative. So I take all of the, I write down, like, either the first letter or the first two letters of every character. Um, and I always write it in a specific order. Uh, when I was, pl when we were playing games live, like in person back in the fucking before times, Jesus. <laughs> but when we were playing in person, I kind of was like, okay, I'm going counterclockwise around the table to every player. Um, once we were playing remotely, I did it more based on marching order again, this is totally a convention. There's no right or wrong way to do it. What, But what's most important is to pick a single order for every character so that it's always the same no matter what. Because that's it. That's it. That's what really... Finding ways to do that is what's going to save you, like, mental space. Uh, so I, and then um, I would ask everybody to roll initiative, and then I don't do shit. I just make sure my journal's ready to go and that all my stuff's ready to go. I mark down, um, I put placeholders for my monsters in there. Um, and I tend to, because I'm nuts, uh, I, uh, I always like make sure that my monsters are divided by groups, right? So say for example, there's mm -hmm. like, there's goblins and kobolds, like I'll have monster 
group one and monster group two, right? Right. I want right. those to. I want to track those separately. Like you don't have to certainly, um, but I I like doing it because yeah, it's fun. So while everybody else is rolling initiative, I mark down like M one and M two or however many monster groups I have. Um, assuming that this is a relatively straightforward combat, and if it's not, I'll get to that in a bit. Assuming it's a relatively straightforward combat, I'll mark down however many monster groups I have. Um, and then for each individual with that group, that's underneath that. That's where I put my hit point trackers for them. Um, and I'm do again, I'm doing this while everybody is rolling for initiative. Once I'm done with that, then I go around the table in the same order I wrote it down. Again, always the same order means you don't have to think about it. Um, and then ask everybody for their initiative. Then I roll the monsters initiative and then write that down. And then I, um, then I, if I, if there needs to be a roll off or anything like that, then I get, then I ask for that. And then I get everybody in order. And like the point, I guess I'm trying to make here is that like as a DM, especially if you're kind of new at doing it, you may be a bit, um, shy about like kind of insisting on like a particular like procedural thing like we all want to be cool right i guess maybe eh, <laughs> for sometimes. sure yeah but so wanna you don't want to good time don't want to spoil anybody else's fun sorry go ahead yeah no, no, for sure i just i guess yeah you don't want to be like it's yeah it's supposed to be fun you don't want to be like somebody's fucking supervisor over here just being like i need those reports or whatever <laughs> yeah but for like, sure but as a dm that is kind of your job is to be the supervisor right so don't feel bad about making calls on the way in which things have to happen and you know having a procedure about getting this information yeah for sure so yeah my point is like um just uh find um whatever like yeah that's like my way of doing it is but one example of how i just make it as organized and orderly as possible so it's not like uh everybody rolls their initiative and then some people shout it out and then some people are just kind of sitting on their hands waiting for the dm to ask them like right. yeah yeah everybody's got got their own thing um thankfully a lot of um you know, virtual tabletop spaces make it really easy to track initiative. Um, but obviously, when we get back to being able to play in person, there's a lot of nuances to how you can gather this information and organize it for yourself. That's really the big thing here is, you know, making sure that the system that you're using to track everything is something that makes sense to you and is easy for you to walk through uh, so you can do it quickly because you don't want the entirety of your combat session to be taken up by, oh, I have to track everyone's initiative. What order, where, shit, where is everything going? Stuff like that. It just needs to be simple and something that you can, even if it's not quick right away, you can have that same process and go back to it and use that, you know, over and over again, essentially. Pretty much. Yeah. And, um, that's most of what I do for initiative. Um, but, uh, and then um, once we get past initiative, then I like to underneath the in the journal underneath um, 
where I put the character's initiative, that's where I start the round tracker. Now, the round tracker is um, not always something I need because what it's, what it's mostly there for is um, if either a character or a monster does anything that like, like I kind of need to keep tabs on. So if anybody casts a spell that uses concentration, that's where I mark that sort of shit down. Um, that's most of what that is for. Um, I also like to keep track of like if there is a surprise round, like I like to keep track of that separately. Um, and then uh, we just kind of go through and the thing, and I'll make note of my dog who is trying to get me to play with the snake. <laughs> squeaky, squeaky, squeaky snake. Ah, man. Uh, someday. Um, yeah, I, I just want to build on something that you mentioned earlier about breaking the monsters into groups. And this kind of comes into a little bit of the, uh, the meta strategy of combat. Um, that I, I really like what you, how you put it there, and I do similar things, um, except for on Roll20 now because it's easier to do it the other way. But in in-person games, um, I will also group monsters or types of creatures into a single like note card in my space, and so that when it comes to like the goblins' turn, all the goblins go at once. Um, and then when it's the kobolds' turn, all of the kobolds going at once. And then the wizard that's controlling them has his own turn as well. Um, but the kind of the meta behind all of this is just being able to uh, manage sort of the action economy. Um, we had used what I called the popcorn initiative previously uh, when we were playing 3.5 before we switched over to 5th edition. Um, and essentially what that was, was a system where I kind of let the players control the initiative order for each round, where I, I would say, like, you know, whoever has an idea on what they want to do first, you get to go first. Um, and then you can hand off the initiative to whoever you want and just keep going around the table until everyone's taken a turn, um, which worked in some ways and didn't in others, especially when our party started growing and we just had a ton of people and it really threw off the balance of the action economy of the players versus the, the NPCs in combat uh, to where I was essentially taking like between 10 to 20 minutes to go through the combat for all of the individual creatures that were up against the party um, and then handing it off to them. And then, you know, the party was getting to go. And what that kind of created was this downtime for all of the players where they didn't have to pay as much of attention because if I was attacking them during this like five to 10 minute block, you know, I would call out the person that I was attacking and they would kind of disengage for a little while um, until it was their turn again, which uh, is a little bit of a, not, not a great thing to have going on <laughs> in your Dungeons and Dragon game or any tabletop RPG. If your players are having enough downtime in combat to disengage, that's, that's not good. You want to keep them engaged and keep it moving forward so that it's exciting and interesting for everyone. And breaking up the monsters into groups and having them kind of take their turns in between all of the other players is how you kind of balance that action economy um, of the, like, again, like this meta strategy and kind of keep everyone on their toes and engaged throughout each round of combat. 100%. 
Um, and you you kind of raise a sort of a point that like I kind of um, this is kind of a couple points that eventually tie into your point. Um, something I kind of that's always kind of on my mind as a DM and even as a player is like um, is kind of the um, concept and this is kind of more of a like life concept of like on time versus off time you know because mm-hmm. like D&D if like it's okay basically to give your players and yourself really like off time like I don't I don't know about everybody who's listening to me but like I'm introverted as fuck man like <laughs> I can't be For like sure. I can't be out there like fucking like doing the like oh you would say the kind of like fredo-esque thing every game where it's like everybody having fun everybody doing good yeah Mm. and i don't want to ask my players to do that um necessarily either and in some ways like yeah you don't want your players to disengage but also you um you want your players to like have like some time to like kind of collect their thoughts and oh for sure yeah I'm not and, saying they need to be on, you know, firing, you know, all pistons all the time. But when they have, my point was just that they have too much downtime, it can be a bad thing as well. But sorry, go sure. ahead. For sure. No, 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 it's good. But anyway, part of how I manage this too is kind of the next thing. Although, shit, I have to double back just one bit. I had mentioned that like when a when a battle is pretty unsophisticated, like I'll track everybody's stuff in my journal. And, but uh, when it's more sophisticated, I um, use note cards to track, like, um, hit points and spell slots. Like, I'll just make a card for the creature and or creatures. Although, yeah, I feel like my last game, there weren't too many situations where, like, I had multiple enemies that had a bunch of spell slots and shit. But anyway, um, then I'll ch- uh, ch- uh, do that on a set track that on a separate note card just so that all that information is kind of in one place um anyway back to like kind of a player turn consideration so another way that i kind of like um insist on enforcing order basically during combat is just like if it's not your turn stay uh basically don't talk unless it's not your turn um you mean don't like, talk unless it is your turn. Yeah, don't talk unless it is your turn. <laughs> don't well, talk if it's not your turn. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> Words are hard, guys. You have no idea how this podcast game is rough, man. Like, you have to remember what words are. It's how just... to form sentences. It's it's really tough. It's really tough. Syntax can get fucked. Am I right? <laughs> like... Especially in English, because, yeah, fuck yeah. everything with the English language. Yeah, English um, English is just like <laughs> how can we make German drunker and less principled? Just ugh. <laughs> that's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I make it a point to uh, um re- I re- pol- very politely request that my players not speak unless it's their turn. And the way I kind of sell them on this idea is like this is your time to um there's a couple things um first this is your time to kind of look at all your stuff and look at the situation and start thinking about what you want to be doing once it's your turn Mm -hmm. and also the second thing is 
And the second more important thing is um, once it is your turn, like ask every single fucking question you need answered. <laughs> One thousand. Sure. As always, us DMs, we love it when people ask questions. And in combat, it's no exception because we want you to know what the fuck you're doing. Absolutely. Uh, to kind of jump off of that, one of my uh, DMs in a game I play for has a pretty solid house rule where if you're going to talk uh, on a time that is not your turn, especially when it comes to things that are happening in combat, you can use your reaction to speak up as your character. So if you have some advice for a player um, on how to like help you out or help the party out, um, you can take up your reaction to like shout out to them and say, you know, a, a little bit of information to them. Um, we can't have a whole conversation going on, but if you need to like give them a pointer or say like, hey, I just, you know, gave you advantage on this guy with, because I blasted him with my guiding bolt. So, uh, you know, you should shoot him, you know, stuff like that. You can use your reaction to do those things, which I, I kind of like. Um, and it also has the caveat, though, of you used your reaction. So if someone moves out of your range or through your your melee space, uh, you don't get an opportunity attack on them because you've already spent that up. So it's interesting, and I, I enjoy it as from a player perspective. Holy shit! That no, dude, that's like that's fucking galaxy brained right there. <laughs> no, that that's like perfect, right? Because yeah. like, um, it's I when I say like I don't like. I try to like make sure people aren't really talking when it's not their turn. I say this, I talk a big game and my players are almost always very, very, very good about it. But at the end of the day, it's pretty unenforceable, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be like you go sit in the corner because you talked out a fucking turn. (laughs) Right. It's just, it's just like a a series of like polite reminders, but I like that a lot because that's like, that's like at attaching a like measurable, like trackable, like opportunity cost to it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's uh, it's super handy, and I, I enjoy that. And I I will probably be int- implementing that in future games. So, for sure, I've already stolen it uh, for my next game, one thousand percent. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just as a DM, like the reason that I also try to, you know, put that idea out there of not really talking on someone else's turn is that one, it's rude because that person is probably trying to do something with their turn and you don't want to keep interrupting them as they're doing that. And as a player who's tried to start their turn, but keeps having people talk over them before they can get to do anything, uh, it can get really annoying from the player's perspective. So, again, we're all here to have a good time, so let people take their turn. And, um, yeah, as a DM, try and prevent people from talking over others while they're trying to take their turn so that everybody can have a good time. For sure. 100%. So, kind of, as a, to kind of summarize, just kind of the, like, combat management thing. Again, um, uh, stay organized stay on top of initiative and um allow yourself the space to kind of like be like no seriously these are this is how we're running shit right now so please respect the please respect the table rules whatever they are and also 
just make sure do make sure though that um when you're doing a session zero first off do a session zero it's good it's great did we talk about an episode two? That no, was, I don't think we did, but we should. We'll we'll do it. We'll put an epi- an episode in here for episode zeros uh, and just stuff to include in that. So, word. Okay, so um, talk about your um procedural order with your players. Be above as above board as possible, and don't be afraid to like insist on order. And then once once that's done, find a way to that. Just find a way that makes sense for you to keep track of initiative, keep track of um, what your monster's hit points, as well as their spell slots, as well as anything they're doing that requires they or your players are doing that requires concentration. And um, yeah, however that uh, works best for you, um, just uh, yeah, find that and then go with it. And eventually, once you kind of settle into the routine with that, like, yeah, that allows your um, kind of bandwidth for everything else, not just about combat, but about the rest of the game to kind of increase, as it were. Absolutely. The less mental space you can take up in thinking about what is happening during combat then the better or the more space you'll have for making up the things that are happening during combat if that makes sense so don't spend too much time worrying about how to track everything figure out a system that works for you and stick with that so that while combat is happening you're not having to you know juggle that as a factor as well word so once you get uh, past that, um, that's when the once you have those fundamentals kind of like figured out more or less. And I'm not saying you need to be like freaking grandmaster with any of this stuff, but you know, once you kind of have it figured out, the framework of how you're going to run combat, that's when you're going to be able to start thinking more about some of the finer points, of which there are many, 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 many thousands. Uh, <laughs> indeed much more yeah. than we can go into complete detail on in a single episode but we'll try we'll try we'll get a start on it maybe we'll circle back to it someday and maybe we'll circle back to it someday <laughs> yep <laughs> we'll see we'll see where we go from here word so i kind of want to start out um i i'm going to kind of direct this again more at beginners but this is kind of for everybody because it's useful first off here's why fourth edition D D can go fuck itself because <laughs> because <laughs> every fucking thing was expressed not in feet or actual distances but in squares on a battle map yep uh which was one of many indignities 4th edition foisted on us. Although someday I'm going to give my whole big speech about how 5th edition is a lot closer to 4th edition than people seem to realize. But whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll, anyway, we'll get around to that. We'll get there someday. Anyway, but uh, one, of the, one of the nicest things uh, I like to be able to do when the situation presents itself and is uh, theater of the mind combat. For the for the uninitiated, the uninitiated, <laughs> that's the proper way to pronounce that word, actually. Yeah. <laughs> for the unknowledged, or for the unwizened, 
uh, <laughs> theater of the mind combat is combat that is conducted without the use of any sort of battle map or miniatures. Um, mm-hmm. So you're just doing it in your head. It is... Um, there are a lot of situations in which it's not appropriate, but if you're starting out um, as a new GM, uh, it's it's great because if a lot of the low level stuff, it's perfect for. So, um, in theater of the mind combat, you can kind of um, you're given wiggle room for one thing. Because you kind of have, like, reduced rules. Um, Instead of, like, a map where everybody is in a specific spot and everybody's at a specific distance from everybody else, including their party members and the monsters, you can just kind of be like, so how far away is this goblin? And you can just kind of be like, I don't know, fucking 25 feet? That sounds about right, right? Yeah, cool, let's go with that. Um... You don't, and uh, this kind of has like a cascading effect, I think, uh, for low-level stuff. Because first off, um, there's less rules kind of by necessity. Like, you're not going to be able to use any like flanking rules with this or any sort of like, um, I guess you could use like pack tactics or something with it if you really wanted to, but... I would kind of consider not doing that. Um, So anything else that's like that um, specific in terms of like, no, this is, this is getting very abstract, but bear with me. Anything that's, um, anything that um, requires a more specific definition of um, where everybody is in relation to everybody else, you can kind of just kick it to the curb. It's kind of nice. And um, for a beginning player, this is great too because this kind of, first off, gets them to think about um, what they can do a bit more abstractly, right? I, uh, this isn't uh, my story. This is my older brother's story. Um, But back, um, back, Oh Jesus! He when we were first starting playing tabletop games back in the nineties, uh, you know, when swept time as it was. <laughs> Hang on, we have to get in the uh, way back machine with Mister Peabody to take a flashback to the nineties. It's true. Star Trek Insurrection in theaters now. <laughs> Man, I really dig this new corn CD. You know, you like corn, Mike, right? <laughs> uh, I actually was not much into corn. Though I had friends that, that were, as I think I told you before, and this is definitely getting us way off topic, I didn't really get into a lot of like good music until later in my life. So, and, and you know, corn being good music is subjective, uh, obviously, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, like, listen, <laughs> if, you, if you like corn, man, more power to you. This is a judgment free podcast, 100%. <laughs> And, like, I don't think less of you for it, and, like, you do you, but they are not my go-to these yeah, days, no, I'll say that. But I was, I was intensely into them for, like, a year. And I think part of it, too, is, like, because I would describe myself similarly, similarly, where I didn't listen to a lot of the broader, like, pop landscape until later, probably by the time I was, like, 
10, 11, 12 ish, you know, mm-hmm. but like, I'm also a few years older than Mike. So anyway, true. Anyway, so back in the nineties, what was back going on in the there 90s. with you and your brother? Yes. So he was uh, running a game of, I think I want to say it was probably D6 Star Wars, but um, the West End Star Wars, for those of you familiar, which is kind of a secret handshake because West End Star Wars was the shit. <laughs> anyway, um, so and he was playing with his friend and he was GMing and his friend was playing and then he was just like his friend was like, so what do I do? Do I like. And he was just he like his friend was basically asking for like a like Final Fantasy VII style like battle menu, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And this can be like this like the absolute, the theoretical not absolute but the vast freedom that's available to like new tabletop players can be kind of intimidating. So what's nice about Theater of the Mind Combat though is that it can kind of like provide a way to like reconceive of how what of like what you can and can't do as less of a like what kind of stuff um what are my like actual options like i'm picking from a menu and more of a like what situation am i in and what can i do about it for sure yeah it it definitely opens up that spectrum to uh like you said a vast um amount of possibilities and i I agree that not being tied down to you know a map with a grid and minis and stuff like that um will give players a little bit more breathing room to like figure out what they want to do um and rather than worrying about what they can or cannot do um which i think you know, a lot of people, especially when they're starting out playing tabletop RPGs for the first time, they, they tend to think of it like a video game, right? But the theater of the mind and just having to kind of use your imagination um, removes a bit of that filter. Um, because if you're already starting from a place of where you're imagining all of this, then you kind of have that spur kicking you already to go off and do sort of whatever you want to do or anything that you can come up with right so yep for sure uh, the main thing again with theater of the mind though i kind of want to emphasize excuse me uh by the way tonight i'm drinking red oak bavarian amber which is a pretty good beer that is uh kind of made locally ish nice. here it's like uh it's like it's between here and greensboro everybody needs to know this anyway <laughs> it's important yeah if important you live in the uh greater north carolina area uh and you have not had a red oak bavarian it's pretty good they can be pricey but they're pretty good anyway um yeah the thing with the theater of the mind though right is the limitations though Anything that has a sufficiently large area of effect, you kind of want to, like, not do it. If it's, like, the first level spells like Burning Hands or Thunder Wave or stuff like that, mm-hmm. you can kind of you can kind of scooch around that. In fact, that's another fun one, too, in terms of, like, less rules. You can be, like, 
yeah, man, that doesn't hit your friend. It's cool. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Whereas if you have things laid out on the grid, you know, on a battle mat or, you know, even using, you know, uh, virtual tabletops, it's very easy to see, oh, well, I need to place this spell here so that it doesn't hit anybody. Or if I try and use this spell, it's definitely going to hit this person. But if you're doing theater of the mind, screw all of that. Yeah. Use Thunder Wave and it doesn't hurt any of your friends. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And, uh, yeah. But, like, if you're fight, if they're fighting a dragon, they're fighting a beholder, they're fighting any, like, Even, like, mage. a mage, yeah, yeah. it's going to be casting fireballs, or if your players are high enough level to cast fireball and are doing so regularly, you probably need some sort of grid just to keep track of, you know, the area of effect that, you know, 20-foot radius. It can be tough to... Um, just kind of spit all those things. So using a yeah. grid is a lot easier once you get to about fifth level or higher um, and you're fighting bigger monsters as well. That's true. Or if you're at higher level and you're fighting smaller monsters, we had one right. where, oh. um, yeah, we had one where it's like, everybody was like level. We were like APL eight ish. I want to say, and mm-hmm. it was like, uh, and 10 giant centipedes spring out of the thing. I'm not putting this on a fucking map. Like, this will be over and done, but quick. Right. Like, yeah. You can still get away with it from time to time, which is great for me because I fucking hate drawing my battle maps. <laughs> this, is a, this is just a secret between you and me, Mike, and literally everybody else who's listening to this right now, is I fucking hate doing it. Takes forever. <laughs> it, yeah, it can take up a lot of time. Um, which... Takes forever. Then you still have to explain to everybody what the shit is. Right. They're like, like, these lines on the map represent this thing, and this line over here is this, and these small circles are barrels, and there's a fountain. You guys all see this, right? Okay, cool. We're all in the same imaginative place now. Yep. This not entirely closed circle is is a tree. (laughs) Shut up. It's a fucking tree. (laughs) Deal with it. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so, so yeah. Use theater of the mind as much as you can because it makes things a lot easier. Uh, and go to the grid only when necessary, which actually was a bit of uh, DM advice that Rob gave me early on in our three point five game that was super helpful because I was at the point where I was like, maps for everything. You're in this town, and here's a map for that, and you guys are moving yourselves around the map and seeing what's there. And Rob, Rob, you were just like you don't need to do that. Like we can just talk out all of this stuff. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? You're right. And it made our games that much better. So. Word. I don't mean to like impose on your, like, I don't mean to like impose on your brain and reach in and rip out your thoughts. Right. But like, it kind of seemed to me at the time, cause I kind of remember having this conversation. It kind of seemed mm-hmm. to me at the time that like, like we were talking about like how you go from video games to D and D and it kind of seemed like that was your like doing of that. Yeah, like, for sure. No, I, I definitely had a little bit too much of that. It's a video game mentality as I was running things. But once we sort of took everything off of being on the map all the time, I was like, Oh yeah, this is an entirely different game than how I was picturing it. So yeah. 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 I mean, and it wasn't intentional, but it definitely uh, was happening that way. And now that I kind of look on that in retrospect, I can see that that's clearly what my brain was trying to do, was trying to make it a video game. 
um, even though I didn't quite realize it at the time. That's cool. I mean, video games are fun. I like they are, but I... tabletop RPGs are a very different thing from video games. It's true. Both so. fun, both different. Although, yes. for how different they are, they both have informed each other at many points. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have most video games that we have today if it wasn't for Dungeons and & Dragons and, and many other tabletop RPGs. So, yes. For sure. And we probably wouldn't have 4th edition if it weren't for video games. So, you know... <laughs> It's true. Although, <laughs> man, can we just can we just ditch this and just rag on fourth edition for like twenty to thirty? <laughs> I, minutes? I don't know that I know enough about fourth edition to rag on it for another twenty minutes. So, uh, um, all right. Well, someday <laughs> we'll, I'll, I'll get a little bit more informed, and then we'll have a full episode where we just bash fourth edition, um, but also talk about the few good things that fifth edition pulled from it, and uh, yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. go from there. I don't know if I need a full episode, although maybe... Well, we can do both in the episode is what I'm saying. You, yeah, we can that's... have your rant, and then we'll just bash on 4th edition and then wrap it up uh, as okay. we are talking about future episodes in this episode we're recording now. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, no, um... Yeah, like, if, if we... if we're... Easy okay. for you to say. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, if if we're if we are like both the like wizened DMs, like handing down advice through the magic of podcasting, as though it were like a great tower from which we fling our like vast tomes of knowledge or some <laughs> shit. And if we're like hammering like transparency, transparency, transparency. <laughs> Like we can poke, we can poke our listeners behind the curtain a bit. Yeah, right? for sure, for sure. Show them how the like, I was gonna say the sausage is made, but I fucking hate that phrase because. <laughs> yeah, because making sausage is actually disgusting. It's fucking uh, gross. But yeah. do I care? Not really. But nope, it is. still gonna eat it. But yeah. Um. So what were we talking about anyway? Before I let us off on that tangent, uh, <laughs> combat. I think right. What what do um. What, what do, do indeed so yeah um once you are kind of on a map i think shit <laughs> okay <laughs> that's all right um i actually i, I want to circle back around to the theater of the mind and uh make another point about that and why it's a good thing is because it it allows you and allows your players as well to start getting more descriptive with combat um, rather than just like, oh, it's my turn, I hit him with my sword. Uh, and I roll for that, and I miss, and now it's someone else's turn. Um, using Theater of the Mind allows you to you know, have that, that imaginative space where all of you are sort of telling the story together, right? So you can get a lot more descriptive with what is happening in combat, um, and it you don't limit your yourself or your players to that, you know, I swing my sword and I miss and now it's someone else's turn or I cast this spell and I cast the spell and they take this amount of damage because I rolled the dice and now we're onto someone else, um, which can happen very easily when you're on a grid or using a virtual tabletop like Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds or something like that. It's It's really easy to just kind of fall into that, oh, well, I'm clicking a button and I'm doing the thing and now it's someone else's turn. Um, theater of the mind allows you to kind of give that flavor to it right like i cast burning hands and a spout of flame erupts in a fan from my fingertips and burns up these goblins that are in front of me um 
And as a DM, you can, like, you know, say the goblin shriek and run away, or one of them survives and he tries to stab you with his spear now, and you can really get into it uh, a lot easier than if you're just kind of laying tokens and things out on a map or using a, a battle grid. Um, and yeah. then you can take that for when you do have a grid for more complicated battle situations and remember that you did those things and add that flavor in and don't lose that. So, yeah. It's true. Although I do want to, I do want to mention kind of with that, that like, yeah, do describe, do give your, um, combat like flavor and like text and like, um, not text. <laughs> what am I? God. Yeah. Yeah. Just be like, and we're in combat. So now everybody has to read. No, <laughs> no that's not what I meant. I th- I was thinking the phrase flavor text I think and then I just forgot yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then I for just sure. broke them up for no reason because yeah <sighs> that's fun no but give a flavor but like like you don't always have to hyper describe everything though either this for is sure. kind of this is kind of another bandwidth concern I mentioned uh, last episode that like uh most of I um. In terms of like, what's the tone of my D and D games? Uh, it tends towards uh, like like an eighties fantasy, like a live action eighties fantasy movie, but also one that's like hyper fucking violent. Like picture <laughs> the picture the movie Willow, but if Willow was gory as fuck. <laughs> have you seen Willow? Yes, I have absolutely, okay. and yeah, yeah. it is amazing. I it's was, a fun movie. Yeah. Not very gory, but like... You Not know. at all. No, I was trying to picture, come up with a, a phrase of smashing Willow together with something else to try and get what you're you're, you're pointing at, but it uh, wasn't coming to mind immediately. Yeah, I guess like, yeah, Willow, but like with the blood and guts level of like, not even like, Conan, Conan the Barbarian doesn't even get like blood. Conan's really bloody, but there's not like doesn't get as medical because <laughs> like, mm-hmm. sure. like i'll be like and you slice into the you slice into the assassin's rib cage and your sword kind of gets stuck on it and then you pull it out and you flick out the bottom three ribs of its rib so, cage and it kind of goes flying like you hit it with the golf ball with I, your I think i've got it so it's it's willow as directed by quentin tarantino yeah sort of yeah <laughs> a little bit anyway little bit yeah that hyper violence yeah yeah a little sure. bit of the old ultra violence which <laughs> yes. you know i think is fu- <laughs> like i think is fun and like because like that's fun for me i think it's one of those things that's like it's fun for my players too kind of mm-hmm. just like because like the energy that i have in doing this kind of like rubs off on everybody even though it's obviously gross and fucking <laughs> stupid and i'm actually 12 but- <laughs> But it's also fucking exhausting, right? Like, I can't right, always yeah. be like... And then you are bitten in your solar plexus, and your sternum is ripped asunder from you in <laughs> twain, as though you were opening a pack of American cheese or whatever. Jeez. That's a, that's a little much. A little bit. And yeah, I can't, can't necessarily be doing that all the time. And you don't want to drain yourself by forcing yourself to provide that type of description for every single action that happens in combat. Um, so yeah, throw the flavor in, but 
uh, don't burden yourself with the the flavor. Um, I think, you know, if you want to use those really juicy descriptions, uh, use them, save them for like a critical moment, not even just necessarily like a critical hit in, in, uh, um, combat, but to say like, if your player, you know, casts burning hands and it does kill all three goblins that are in front of him, like, yeah, get descriptive with that, that moment. Um, but if it's your fighter just kind of swinging your sword back and forth against the other fighter, then you don't necessarily need that much flavor text every single time. When he finally takes him down, or if you take your fighter down, uh, because that happens sometimes too, then you can kind of add that more intense flavor in there. Otherwise, like like Rob said, you can kind of burn yourself out by trying to um, you know do that every single time every single turn of combat for every single player for sure and like yeah um one thing uh that um mike does that i don't always because again as you may have been able to discern i really like i sort of like i take pride in my ability to make like my like kill descriptions or whatever as gross as possible so, but what's very popular as well, um, is, um, and which I encourage you to do if that, if it's, uh, kind of more your speed is just, uh, when like a monster gets killed, just ask the person to, uh, who got the kill to describe it. Yep. Absolutely. That, I, I think do it. that's absolutely something I stole from Matt Mercer and a lot of DMs have stolen from him and, and critical role as well as you know how do you want to do this right it's there it's like his catchphrase oh, or one of his catchphrases I, so yeah i didn't realize yep because i know ne- i've never watched critical role i always felt yep. that like i always felt that if i did like my imposters as much as i would know it's like this is just one group and they do this things this one way and <laughs> you do it is fine and all that I just kind of always assumed that the next time I ran, it would just be like imposter syndrome incoming. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just super That's bad. Why like, I threw out there in our first, uh, or our, our last episode that, you know, in our advice to DMS is you're not Matt Mercer. You don't need to be. That's okay. You're your own thing. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I, I like to steal from him and from other DMS on, on the, uh, the webs as well. So I do watch and listen to a lot of, uh, actual play role um, podcasts and shows and stuff. So also and, do that and and see how other people manage their combat too because you can come up with some cool stuff that makes things a lot easier for you in your own game. So For sure. Unless, of course, yeah, you're not Matt Mercer. Unless, of course, you are Matt Mercer, <laughs> in which case I'd like to say, hi, Matt, thanks for listening to the show. Remember <laughs> to like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, absolutely. And get in touch with us because we want to hang out. You seem cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike <laughs> says you seem cool, so I'll, I'll take his word for it. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, yeah. That's a good so one. yeah, so all, again, lean on your players for their description of things as as they're getting a kill shot or as something intense is happening. Those are the moments to add a lot of that flavor in. Don't burn yourself out by trying to make every single action that everybody takes like the most intense thing that could happen in that moment. Um, cause that gets tiring. Mm-hmm. It does. Especially if you like, I don't, I don't know how everybody out there does, of course. And I'm not your dad or nothing, but, um, like, 
I find I found especially now that like I'm a good ways into my 30s like most of the people I'm playing with are getting you know everybody's adults and they have their own shit going on like the days of like the days of like we're gonna play D&D for like six fucking hours so strap the fuck in <laughs> those days uh, are kind of gone and yeah. obviously when we played six hours we would like take breaks and because like the pizza showed up or whatever right or just because we needed breaks but i found a lot of times with everybody's like when you're playing with adults and you're like playing around like there's with uh yeah where scheduling is the highest cr monster basically <laughs> it is the final boss of dnd it um, is yeah like a lot of the sessions i play a lot like that i've run especially have been like three maybe four hours right Mm-hmm. right it's not all there's not always a great time to like take a break in there too right especially if it's man especially if it is like four hours because then it is like four hours i'd be like oh great we can like get through some stuff actually mm-hmm. um so if that is your situation where you don't have as long of a game to like run on the one hand that's nice from a like energy perspective but it'll also like sometimes if you're like me that'll kind of like push you to like try and cram too much in i guess or like otherwise like kind of get through some stuff a little quicker or otherwise like yeah just kind of like get you in a space where maybe your players won't notice but you'll notice like you'll feel like you're not doing as good a job as you could and then um what was my point i I think the point is just be be aware of the amount of time that you're taking up um with your flavor text and with your like transitions and things and and again that does kind of come back to like you know allocating bandwidth within your brain and your capacity for what you can do as a dm within a session because we're all, we're all kind of like running on a like a social battery more or less right and you don't want to use up too much of your energy in the midst of all the combat and then you're done with combat and you're like well fuck my brain is garbage right now so give me a second to put it back together and um we can go from there but yeah you want want to be aware of your time and your players time and make sure that you're not taking up too much of that by just adding in needless flavor and taking excess amount of times to do your processes to run combat and keep it running smoothly for sure yeah bandwidth is key no no know yourself so yeah know yourself know your limits know what you can like what kind of like mental strain you're able to take on and like run your combat based on that and for like sure. relative to it um yeah but at the same time like give your players you know the freedom to take up time as long as they are actively doing things right like if your player is asking questions or if they are trying to you know, describe something that they want to do or are trying to do, um, then by all means, let them do that. Because that's that's one of the keys to having fun in D&D, right, is coming up with whatever kind of crazy shit you're going to do on your turn. Um, and yeah, you should empower your players to be able to do that. 
um, don't don't try and rush them. I know some some DMs and I've read on you know online about people doing this as well as kind of giving you know players a, a timer to take their turn in, which I really hate unless it's people that are just not engaged enough or you know not um, aware of like what their spells do and stuff like that. Um, so unless you know people are repetitively taking up too much time on their turn and it's slowing the game down, don't do anything like that. Give your players the time that they need. Let them improvise and be fun and creative within the midst of this, you know, combat space that you have created for them. Yeah, that is kind of dickish, huh? Like, yep. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I know I said this is a judgment-free zone, and just know that if you are that guy, like, or or person, just. I don't think you're actually a dick and I like it's it's again it's one of those things where it's like I guess if everybody's down with that that's cool right but like especially if you have like new players or if you yourself are new or both or or really any situation where not literally everybody in the group has agreed to it yeah give give players like their time in combat and only there are if don't use a like a timer as like a solution to a problem i guess exactly yeah like yeah there are other there are other ways to address it just like talk to them make sure they know what's going on and make mm -hmm. just make a just make an like um make an inviting environment for your players to ask questions in i guess which again is one of our which is one of our fucking like um what's the thing where you keep like hammering on it there was a phrase that i had in mind that i don't remember what it was, but that's <laughs> i mean it's okay. it's kind of one of our core principles and what in our all of our advice for our players and for our dms here is you know over communicate essentially um and listen to your players and yeah I, yeah Pretty much, yeah. Um, and and as an advice, a piece of advice for players in combat, like when it's not your turn, you should be thinking about what you're going to do on your turn. And and obviously, like that can change. Sometimes someone can do something on their turn that negates what you were going to do on your turn, and then you have to be able to adapt quickly. And that can kind of take up some time when all of a sudden the thing that you were planning isn't a viable option anymore. Um, and that sort of thing is fine as long as you're like, hey, I was trying to do something, but I, I need to rearrange or I need to, you know, plan something else now. So give me a second. Right. Like if you're communicating, then that's fine. Um, but if you, if it gets to your turn and you haven't looked at your spell sheet uh, or at your options for, you know, what attacks you can do or whatever, and then it's suddenly your turn. And now you're looking at these things and looking at spell descriptions now and hadn't been doing that before. You know, that's going to bog combat down and end up, you know, giving a lot of just like white noise space uh, in the midst of this thing that's supposed to be kind of tense and moving quickly and so forth. So don't do that. <laughs> Think about yeah. your turn that's coming up before it's your turn to take that, uh, you know, action or whatever in combat. That's true. Although, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that said to this very fucking day like i'll be i'll be playing in a game and like it'll be like not my turn um as mike could tell you um in his game uh my my decks blows so i'm usually going not if not last then pretty far back right 
So especially to start out, I have a lot of time to myself to figure stuff out. But still to this day, there are times when I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to cast this spell, for example. Usually it's for, this is almost always for spells. And then it'll be closer to my turn. And then I'll all of a sudden be like, wait, does that work the way I think it does? And then I'll look up the spell and just before it's my turn and then it's my turn and I'm immediately, and then as it's becoming my turn, I'm like, oh shit, this is dumb. Why would I do this? (laughs) It's okay. It's okay if this happens. Like I've been playing for, I've been playing for years and years. Like this shit happens. It's okay. Yep, absolutely. And then that kind of goes with the other point that I made of like, sometimes you are going to have to make adjustments on the fly as soon as it's your turn. Um, And that's okay. If you change tactics and you want to do something else, that's fine. Just make sure that you kind of speak up and say, uh, you know, I was planning something, but it doesn't work the way I wanted it to. So now I need to think of something else real quick. Give me a second. Right. Like that's much better than I say, you know, Rob, it's your turn. And we sit there while he's like, um, uh, and then just kind of flipping through his spell descriptions, trying to figure out what he wants to do. And then eventually he does something. Um, but if he is to say like, Hey, I thought the spell worked this way, but it doesn't one sec while I adjust, like that's fine. Not yep. a problem at all for anybody. For sure. Really? Everybody though should just be warlocks and champion fighters that's all you need to do on your turn yeah well. yeah eldritch <laughs> blast hit it with sword okay next turn cool <laughs> we're done oh nice. god high fives all around just as a side note i did uh i started an adventurers league game where uh everyone was a warlock pretty much and it did kind of turn into that where there was just several rounds of combat of people just casting eldritch blast on their turn and then handing it off to the next player who would then cast eldritch blast and then hand it off um and it was not that fun actually (laughs) it kind of turned into a joke (laughs) session for the rest of the rest for all of us there i should say so uh Yeah. yeah Diversify your portfolio. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> all warlocks. Uh, <laughs> it was, a... it was uh, very interesting. They were all different types of warlocks, so it kind, kind of worked a little bit, but it did kind of run into that problem of like, okay, it's combat, so everyone's just kind of casting Elder's Blast on their turn. Um, so. yeah, Except for like uh... the Hexblade and like the... Um, the guy who was the fiend packed they had some spells that they used that were a little bit more effective i think but anyway Oof. beside the point yeah which i don't remember what the point is there the point is side. is like uh yeah the point is just to reiterate like spend the time that's not your turn thinking about what you want to do on your turn and if you're not quite sure by the time it's your turn that's okay right yeah Oh man, that recorded. It's just me making weird t- <laughs> Those of you, so again, those of you who don't know me, again, my name's Rob. I like to make transitional noises when I don't necessarily have a thing that I'm going to say just yet. Like a lot of. <laughs> yeah, no, I do the same thing. I do like saying kind of a little ditty or a scat, and then that turns into a thought eventually. So it's true. I, uh, 
I also like making up songs that are extremely repetitive and like have no <laughs> chorus and are just the same phrase over and over again. It's kind of my jam. I really there are times where like I um like I watch Bob's Burgers and like I see Gene and I'm just like, man, that was like like if I was living been living my best life like earlier, like I could totally be doing that. Where I'm just walking around with a Casio keyboard so I can like have some like music to go with it when I like make up a song mm-hmm. such as the legendary Tiny Dogs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tiny dogs. Tiny dogs. That's all of Tiny Dogs. I just sang all of Tiny Dogs for everybody's benefit. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we've talked a lot about, like, um, ways to manage uh, organization and how to kind of um, handle combat and flavor. Uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're getting a little short on time. Do you think we have enough time to kind of delve into the depth of tactical planning for combat, or should we save that? I think we need to keep that one in uh, our back pockets. Okay. Because tactics yeah. is a whole other fucking kettle of fish. Yeah, that's and what I like, was thinking as well. Like, we we have a lot that we could talk about in that regard, so. I will say, just as a, like, teaser um, about it, um, Well, now I'm getting cold feet because I was like, I was going to be like, I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it. And then I, now, then I like gave myself like that extra half second of not saying it. And now I'm like, oh shit, what if I say it? Then I'll sound like an asshole. It wasn't an asshole thing. I was just saying, um, tactics are a bit more video game stuffed. So, mm-hmm. um, they're again, when I talk about combat to bring things full circle. When I talk about combat as a, like, left-brained exercise, as a, like, you know, staying organized and staying on top of stuff um, kind of, like, whole deal, um, tactics are, like, that times 100. So um, um, when we're getting into the nitty-gritty of, like, uh, good tactics for your monsters and for, I guess, if you're a player, too, like, it's a lot more of... um, Video games can be a lot more helpful than the more abstract, like how to run things or how mm-hmm. to approach, like how to approach, like what sort of actions you can take or social interaction or exploration or basically everything else in the game. So, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So if we're not going to dive into that, then, you know, I uh, would want to cover just a couple other things about like ways that are well, kind of dipping their toes into tactics, but ways to make combat interesting still that are not necessarily tactics related. Um, And that's just, you know, we've already talked about like kind of using theater of the mind and setting up that imaginary space or even having things, you know, on the grid laid out, you know, regardless of which of those you're using, just find ways to make use of the environment that you're in. You know, whether that be, you know, having your bandits duck behind a crate and then pop out and, you know, shoot um, their crossbows or shortbows or whatever at the party and then duck back and give themselves cover. Like, 
engage with the environment that you set this space up in and it's guaranteed to make that particular combat different from any other combat with a set of bandits right or a set of goblins or kobolds like if you find ways to interact with the space that you're in whether that be you know in a cave and there's things on the ceiling or you're in a tavern and suddenly there's a halfling swinging from a chandelier overhead or you know things along those lines that that just kind of add that extra bit of um I, I guess realism or like kind of at least make it feel like a more lived in space, you know, use, make use of the environment and find ways to make that interesting. And that will kind of just naturally make your combat more enjoyable and make each combat more unique in a way. Um, and uh, yeah, I was going somewhere a moment ago and now I can't no. remember what the other point was. I mean, shit i think but i think that was a good point like yeah you have and it's a good way to like it's a good way to kind of tie together the like it ties into like the imagination thing too right for sure yeah that's actually thank you for saying that because that that got me back on track so using theater of the mind it's generally a lot easier to do those sorts of things and if you're using a grid it can be a little bit difficult to just like well, i'm looking down and these are the spaces that all the enemies are at and these are the spaces that all the players are at etc cetera, etc cetera. like you you need to still find ways to actively engage that imaginative space um, and it can help when you are using a battle grid or like a virtual tabletop like roll 20 or fantasy grounds or whatever then um having those those little tidbits in there can keep it from being just sort of a flat uh combat and be uninteresting so yeah word all right yeah any uh any last minute uh tips for making combat interesting from you rob or not for right now although we are wrapping things up i want to broadcast to our entire listenership right now Today, the day we are recording this, not only did I do my laundry, I folded and put it away the same day. <laughs> oh my god. I, I need to scream this from the fucking mountaintops, like <laughs> under the best of circumstances. That's when I'm just like, yeah, I'm a fucking adult. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say, done. way to be an adult, my, Rob. Yeah, I, I live my life free of fucking clutter and we have nice things. And now, of course, it's like, well, now, now's the day. It's like, do I need these socks even? I don't fucking know. And so it felt, it felt good. And everybody needs to know. Yes, indeed. Well, congratulations, sir. Well done. Thank you. Way to be an adult. Thank you. All right. Well, All right. yeah, this has right. been uh, 19 Hits the Dragon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. All five of you or more that are out there. We really appreciate it. Um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can contact us uh, a couple of ways. Uh, we have a Twitter account, which is at 19 hits the dragon, um, on Twitter. And you can also, if you feel so inclined, send us an email. Uh, you can email us at 19 hits the dragon at gmail.com. Both of those are just the number 19 hits the dragon, um, at gmail or just at that, uh, on Twitter there. Yeah, sounds good. 
And then a uh, quick shout outs uh, to Hannah Miller uh, for uh, editing and mixing this episode. Also, shout outs to Paul Mackey for providing us with a dope as fuck theme song that sounds like uh, Dio wrote it. It is the power metal ballad of my dreams. So, yes. Uh, thank you to uh, both of them. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on 19 Hits the Dragon. Peace. Bye-bye.